Hello, welcome to the Distant Daughters podcast. We are finally here with the long-awaited interview <laughs> of my other daughter. Favorite so, daughter is what I think you meant. Oh, favorite daughter. That might have been what I meant, yes. <laughs> and she is deciding uh, to go by Korahor for today uh, because she, you know, has a lot of similarities to Korahor. <laughs> And because I put the whore in core whore. <laughs> I think it's perfect because we're talking about purity culture. And <gasps> yeah, right. Yep, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, yes. And and she's the Antichrist. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So it's taken us a bit to be able to get her on here because she has a busy, busy life and she doesn't live here. So. We are finally ready to interview her. And I'm just going to have her kind of introduce herself a little bit, tell us a little bit about herself growing up and her experiences in the church. And then we'll kind of talk about some of the main, I guess, um, themes of of your Mormon story. So go ahead. I feel like I had really similar to both my brother and sister in growing up in the church, very similar experiences. It was a lot of like, you know, oh, it just, it just is, it just is, you yeah. know, like I was told it was, so it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. not very much of like, oh, I know it's true, you know? Yeah. I think like the most spiritual experiences I ever had was like at girls camp, maybe, you know, and I know a lot of people talk about the, when you're just so emotionally and physically oh. exhausted, oh, yeah. everything feels like a spiritual experience. Yes. <laughs> Because I do feel like a lot of the, like, girls camp is exhausting. Like, it really mm-hmm. is. Um, so I think that. Yeah, I think that they've kind of dialed in that whole system of, like, yeah. um, having you, like, have have to deal with hard things. Maybe mm-hmm. a little homesickness. Maybe mm-hmm. some drama among the girls. Like, they give you some challenges that you have to, like, face yeah, head when on. when I first heard about that, what, do you know what it's called? What? Um, when you feel Oh, like elevation emotion. Elevation emotion, that's yeah. what it's called. So, the fir- when I first heard about it, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah. makes so much sense, and that's, like, that's what I thought of immediately, was girls camp, like. Yeah. Um, so I feel like now, realizing that that's probably just what, what you elevation emotion, mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, that was really the only time that I really felt like the spirit what you thought was the spirit at the time which when you when you think you're feeling the spirit you think that's testifying that the church is true Mm -hmm. but really you're just feeling emotion because they typically will tell a sad story or or a happy story Mm -hmm. something that just like evokes emotion in you yeah and um so yeah but as far as like your growing up years just kind of the average regular stuff in a Mormon household. Mm-hmm. You were always a really good kid. I was baptized. You never got in trouble. Days, all the things. Yeah. Baptism, the activity things. days, all the regular steps. We were very active your entire life. You talked about how you were telling me earlier about how your older brother's experiences kind of affected you in some mm-hmm. ways. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I watched you guys fight every single Sunday about <laughs> going to church. Mm-hmm. It was an argument every single time. Yeah. And I was just like, that's such, 
that's so annoying yeah <laughs> it's so it much was work. so annoying <laughs> it's so much work and i feel like it's not worth it i was always just like whatever it's two out three hours you get to stay home in bed like it's really not that big of a deal just suck it up you know yeah so that's kind of what i did um because I, I was never like super in love with the church i also but i also wasn't like i didn't hate it enough to fight you on it you know yeah so i just kind of went and was like well when i get older when i move out whatever i can leave the church right because i remember that was kind of your plan that was just kind of the plan was just like ah just suck it up until you get through this you know it's only a couple more years whatever right yeah um because again like i remember my brother's girlfriend she had a lot of issues with going to church and her parents making her go to church and i think it was you who said like she should just suck it up just go like until she can get out of the house like just make her parents happy Mm. and she'll be fine (laughs) and i was like huh what a brilliant idea (laughs) it's like i've been doing that this whole time so i gave you the idea no i I think that was after i kind of like thought that like i think it was well after my brother left the church and so so you went through all the motions do you remember anything about your baptism day it was like pretty just a regular average yeah yeah just a regular day yeah okay like i mean you're so young when you get baptized Mm -hmm. i i can't remember i think i said this earlier on another episode of the podcast but my only memory of my baptism day is at nighttime getting ready to go to bed i shared a room with my sister and i said to her I was kind of puzzled about the fact that like I wasn't feeling any different because I thought that I would feel totally different and I said to my sister I don't I don't feel any different now that I'm baptized and her response was you're definitely going to hell (laughs) (laughs) you've never told me that before that's so funny I might have said that on an earlier episode of the podcast but she's like you're definitely going to hell like and that stuck with me i was she joking or was she she was dead serious and she didn't understand any better than i did but her thought was that i you know wasn't feeling the spirit does that mean she felt completely different after? i don't know or was she also like i'm going to hell yeah i have no idea i've never asked her about it but that stuck with me i was like whoa okay so i because i didn't feel anything different i didn't feel the spirit or I didn't feel the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know, something was wrong with me. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's crazy, horrible. Huh? I know, I know. <laughs> so, but for the most part, I think it's normal to not have very many memories of it or, mm-hmm. or, and also I think maybe to have feelings of like, that was a little anticlimactic. In fact, that's exactly what I was feeling. It was just yeah. like, well, I mean, I thought it was going to be a bigger deal mm-hmm. and it was kind of meh. Yeah. So anyways, so yeah, all those things were kind of regular experiences of a mormon kid growing up all Mm -hmm. we live in a very conservative community all your friends were mormon yep did you ever have friends that were not mormon that you felt weird about in any way i can't Um, remember if i remember oh um there was this kid who moved to our school in like first grade Mm. so like real young and i remember finding out that he wasn't mormon and being like what like Like, you're not like you don't go to church he's like Mm. no i don't go to church huh like i didn't realize that that was even a thing yeah you're like, <laughs> like that oh, just seems weird. so weird because everyone everyone was mormon yeah everyone went to church on sunday like yeah so it really yeah weird. it was it was rare to meet somebody that mm-hmm. didn't or that wasn't mormon yeah <clears throat> so talk about 
um, like you started activity days, like the regular activity days around whatever age, eight, mm-hmm. ten. Eight, I think. And you had a specific experience in activity days that. Yeah, because I know we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, it was this lesson they took a a Snickers bar. And they're like, everyone want, who wants this Snickers bar? And obviously everyone's like, oh, I want it. I want it, right? And she's like, this Snickers bar is like you guys, you know? And you, when you start to slowly, like, shed your, the layers, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Take she started taking off the wrapper, right? If you start taking off the wrapper, right? She was like, oh, man, this Snickers bar looks really, really good. Like, I, I just can't help it. I got to take a bite. She, or no, she licks it first. That's what it was. Oh. She licks it first. And she goes, does anybody want this? And again, nobody was like, nobody was like, I don't want the licked Snickers bar. That's gross, right? And she goes, oh well, I've already, I've already unwrapped it a little bit. I might as well do it a little more. And she unwraps it more, and then she like takes a big bite out of it. And she's like, does anybody want this now? Like, I've licked it, I've bitten out of it. Like, anybody want this? And everyone was like, no, gross. And she was kind of like, this is what it. This is or why maybe we have to you be were modest. secretly thinking, I would still take it. It's fine. Right. Probably. <laughs> At eight years old. <laughs> right. Nobody would admit that, right. like. <laughs> no. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. I'm sure somebody made a joke about that. Yeah, like, but, I'll still take it. Yeah. But that's not what she wanted you to right. say. Yeah. She, yeah. Anyway, she was just kind of saying, like, that's, that's what, why we need to be modest is so that, you know, we can keep our purity, right? Mm-hmm. And it was very much teaching us like I don't think it was intended to really teach us this but it definitely gave off the message of like you are responsible to make sure other people don't take your purity don't take oh yeah that 100 percent. you know like and once somebody takes a bite or licks you're it, useless like, nobody no wants you anymore yeah I remember I've heard of people saying that they've done that lesson with like roses you know yeah where it's like oh look at this really gorgeous rose but then they pass it around the room and let everybody smell it and touch the tell them all touch the petals and like yeah feel it and by the end it's it's like wilted and falling Aww. apart and it's you know or like the chewed up gum lesson or the chewed up gum you know there's licked cupcake yep heard that one too yeah, so that was you know what you're between eight and ten ish somewhere mm-hmm. around there yeah and you still remember that. Yeah. I think that's one of the only things I remember from activity Gosh. days. That's Honestly. just so painful. And you yeah. think like, you know, those leaders, they probably had good intentions or they yeah. thought that that was like a good lesson to teach to like mm-hmm. make sure that you're being, that you're paying attention to what you're wearing and the messages yeah. you're giving and stuff. And they just did not, uh, that was just so unhealthy mm-hmm. of a way to to see things, you know. Yeah. So, so I guess my thought about that is that they just start from a very young age teaching girls that they are responsible for everyone else's thoughts about them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that their body is not really theirs. Like their job is to cover it up and keep it pure so that one day they can give it to their husband. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's such a terrible message. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I think that the, 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 like, the story, the object lessons are very shaming. And you think about kids who we know 
young girls that have mm-hmm. been sexually abused or assaulted or molested or whatever and how do you think they feel after they hearing those lessons? It's their fault. It's there's so much victim blaming that mm-hmm. it's it's you know because they didn't cover up, they didn't you know mm-hmm. that somebody had bad thoughts, mm-hmm. and then also that once that's happened to you, now nobody's gonna want you. There's no going back. You know, once it's done, it's done. Yeah, you can't fix it. Like right. I feel like not even repenting is. Oh yeah enough like um, you, you, yeah yeah well and you get mixed messages right mm-hmm. because there's the one message that um the savior's atonement covers everything yeah but then there's the other message that like your uh virginity and your purity is worth everything and mm-hmm. and you can never get it back if you lose it and like i remember a message from and i can't remember who right off the bat but there was a message Um, a talk given by a general authority that basically said that if somebody is trying to assault you or attack you and rape you that you should fight to the death because it would be better to die than to lose your virtue I remember hearing that yeah Yeah. it's better to die than to lose your virtue so so what do you think that what do you think that does to girls who experience some kind of sexual trauma Mm -hmm. it's yeah because I've got a friend who she, both her and her boyfriend were very, very Mormon. Mm-hmm. And they waited until 16 to date. They waited until 16 to date. They really did. Mm-hmm. And I just know that, like, he ended up making her have sex with him, you know, which I know she didn't want to do. I remember yeah. her telling me, like, it was so painful. It was not fun. Like, mm. And it just, like, breaks my heart because I know that she feels so guilty about it now. She probably feels like she can't ever fix it, you know? hmm And I don't think he's Mormon anymore. Oh, really? I know He never served a mission, I know. Yeah. Um, so she- when she had basically non-consensual forced sex mm-hmm. with her boyfriend, mm-hmm. she felt responsible. Yeah. That was... She thinks that it's her fault, but it's not. Yeah. And not she felt shame and didn't feel like she could tell people like she didn't Mm -hmm. even tell you for a long time she yeah she didn't tell me until after they broke up oof yeah i was like wow (laughs) and he was just a piece of shit anyway like yeah i mean he cheated on her he like he was a piece of shit yeah and then he did that on top of it and and she still felt like she had to be good to him i know he he was constantly, like, saying how he wanted her to, you know, raise his kids. And they, they wanted to get married. He wanted to marry her, mm. which is crazy. But he was constantly... He wanted like, her to raise his kids. Is yes. that the way he yes. said it? Yes. Listen, <laughs> he was so certain that she wouldn't have a career and that she would just be a stay-at-home mom. And she wants to be, like, all this crazy stuff. And like, the, she's super smart. She's she wants so to have smart. a career. She wants to have a career. She's probably going to be in school for the next eight years for her, ne- for her career. Like, yeah. she wants to... Like, and she's wanted to do this for several years. Like, it's yeah. not like just a, oh, I think I want to do this. Like, yeah. it's what she's always wanted to do. But he was like, no, you're going to stay home and you're going to mm-hmm. have babies. And he also, I, I remember her telling me that he would say, like, things like, oh, you'll you'll grow out of that. Or things like Oof. that would, he's like, oh, I, oh, I can't wait for your personality to change when what? you grow up. Things like that. Because wow. he, like, he would say things that, like, her personality was like too much, too overwhelming. Mm. I was like, why are you guys even together? Yeah. All just a mess. 
Well, here's what I hear from that story. Number one, that he, as a Mormon boy, has been raised to dismiss girls' feelings, Mm -hmm. dismiss girls... He would never listen to anything she would say. Just totally dismissive of what's important to her, what Mm -hmm. she cares about, who she actually is. Like, he's completely dismissive, wants to change her and control her and keep her uh, in a, like, his tight grip of, like, these are the things that you're going to do. I think boys feel, you know, boys in the church, they grow up feeling entitled and the the priesthood authority makes them feel like that's something they can use over the the women in their lives yeah, especially so a spouse and and i think it's i think the purity culture stuff hurts boys as much as it hurts girls mm-hmm. well i don't know maybe not as much but it does yeah. hurt boys because it gives them the wrong idea number one that they don't have to be responsible for their own thoughts and actions yeah. and that they that they're able to like put the responsibility on a girl for mm-hmm. making them think bad thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then they end up shaming girls. They also, I'm sorry, but it's impossible for a boy to grow up in the church and fully respect somebody of the opposite sex mm-hmm. because boys are so much better in the church. Like they are, there's only men in the leadership of the church they make all the decisions they make all the rules girls have to go to men to ask for permission for things they have to um confess to them about you know the things they've done wrong they have to it's just a girl can't give a blessing uh they have to ask a man to do that and so unfortunately like the patriarchy is so harmful to men and women and boys and girls when you start from a very young age being told that you are better than and it's not in those words that's that's the hardest part about it is because it's it's so insidious and and it's not super obvious then yeah. they never say the words men you are better than women in fact they try to tell you that yes. women are just as good as men you are well, here they to support yeah you're here to support your men they can't they can't do this without you right and they even pedestalize women and make it sound like women don't need the priesthood because they're already so great men need the priesthood in order to be good enough or whatever which is such bullshit and it's just so patronizing mm-hmm. to women um so i just and I think, you know, uh, your friend's experience with being date raped multiple, multiple times. Multiple this times. was this was over months, right? Yeah. And every time she was taking responsibility for it, mm-hmm. feeling like she was wrong, she was bad, she was yeah. dirty, she was now broken and nobody would ever want her again and couldn't talk about it to people. Mm-hmm. Just all of the freaking things. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine, like, not being able to talk to someone, first of all, like, would be horrible. Yeah. And then, on top of all of that, like, guilt that you have, and not being able to, like, talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and sh- And she's not alone. I, I guarantee it's mm-hmm. it's a common occurrence. It's, I mean, I, I've heard so many girls tell stories about just feeling controlled feeling manipulated feeling dismissed feeling pressured mm-hmm. pressured to do things to make a guy happy and 
unfortunately, the things that they never talk about in church and in young women's and in activity days are they never talk about consent. Mm -mm. They never talk about healthy boundaries. Never. They never talk about that your body is your own and that you have your own authority Mm -hmm. over it and that, you know, you get to choose who touches it and who looks at it and how and all of these things. We're constantly being sent messages that our body is for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it would make a really... I feel like I would have a really hard time telling someone no. Like, mm. I'm, I feel like I'm, I was very lucky with the guys I've been with mm-hmm. where they've been very respectful, specifically, you know, yeah. my most serious and most, yeah. you know, recent boyfriend. Because I, he even said, he's like, I was really worried when we, like, first had sex because I knew that you probably wouldn't say no if you didn't want to so Mm. he was like so worried about like pressuring me into it and making me feel like I had to okay but let's but I feel like he I didn't feel pressured into it you know I feel like he was so good about not pressuring me into it Mm -hmm. because I think he knew that I could easily be pressured into yeah because he he knew you well but but let's also mention that your boyfriend is not he's Mormon. not Mormon he was not raised Mormon he does he doesn't know a whole lot about the Mormon church yeah um he's not religious at all he's not religious at all because even not being Mormon doesn't yeah. totally fix it because a lot of times in any evangelical or Christian religion mm-hmm. same thing you his, know his parents are Catholic so yeah. that's really the only like but even then it's not like they go to church yeah it was they, just kind of a you know in the background so mm-hmm. so I find that super interesting because yeah. He was very aware of your people-pleasing need mm-hmm. and, you know, wanting to make sure that you were comfortable yeah. with, you know, moving in that direction mm-hmm. and all of those things. And he was not, you know, pushing you to yeah. have sex before you were ready and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's still, like, it was still definitely very weird at first because, you know, I still had, like, those teachings ingrained in my brain that like Mm -hmm. having sex is bad Mm. so for the first like several times it was definitely kind of a like I still had this gut feeling of like ew (laughs) like yeah I shouldn't be doing this like Mm. and it it took a little while to get over that I mean now I'm over it but it was definitely like we were we were out of the church yeah when it happened so it's not like like I knew in the back of my mind like I know it's fine like I know I shouldn't be freaking out but at the same time I was still like I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I knew I wasn't, but like, right. cause you're, but your brain has been just, programmed mm-hmm. your whole life. You had 18 years of programming. Yeah. And I think you definitely also helped with that, with being like, you were the one who brought it up to me. Like, Oh, do you want to be on birth control? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that conversation was really important in being like, Oh, like it's okay. Like, yeah, I know it's probably going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, Cause like I didn't learn about birth control in school. Like yeah, I didn't learn about. They only teach abstinence. Yeah. So what do they expect people who get married to do? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Probably what happened to you? Yeah. (laughs) Have a kid on accident. Six months into your marriage. I didn't. No, it was yeah after a year. But like, yeah, I had no education about it. It was Mm -hmm. like before I got married, I went to an appointment with the OB. Like, knowing that I was going to be having sex, and then he put me on birth control. And it was like, I knew nothing about the pill. Here, just take these pills, you know. I still don't know very much about the pill. Yeah. 
But, I mean, I knew when you started dating, seriously, you know, and you were almost 18, and I was like, hey, I'm sure that this is going to be a topic that's going to come up, and you're going to want to be prepared. And so Mm -hmm. we talked about your different options, and we said, let's go get you an IUD, because that seemed like the best option at the time. cannot take pills regularly. Yeah. (laughs) And and I have an IUD, so that just seemed to be, uh, for me, I love it. It's Mm -hmm. so easy. And then it's good for five years and, you know, all those things. So we set up an appointment. We Mm -hmm. I went to the OB with you. Like, that was a pretty good experience, yeah, I would say. I feel like that, too, because, uh, again, with my friend who was, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't on birth control. Like, oh, yeah, so was she freaking she out? Freaking out all the time. I remember she told me that she did have, like, one pregnancy scare where she was, she thought she was pregnant, and she was, like, losing her mind. And, again, this was before she told me, like, anything. So, so did it's not they like ever I use protection? I don't know for sure. Hmm. Because yeah. I, what my experience has been, or like the people that I've known, <laughs> I had several sisters that get, that got pregnant before they got married. And, you know, it's like, because you're Mormon and because you're not supposed to be having sex, you also don't prepare ahead of time. Sex. You don't have condoms on hand. You you're don't. You're not on birth control. You're not, you're definitely not on birth control because. You ask that, your mom to be put on birth control. Oh yeah. She'll kill you. Hell no. Yeah. And um, I even know people where, like, the the boy, they knew their son was having sex. And I was like, yeah, you should probably get him some condoms. And they're like, no, then that will just encourage him. Like, that'll just make him think that it's okay to do it. And it's like, oh, my hell. Like, okay, so it's better to just get a girl pregnant then, huh? Yeah. You know? So people just, like, the whole their view on it, their perspective on it is so skewed and, yeah. and messed up. Um, and so I think like pregnancy, unwanted pregnancies actually happen a lot in the Mormon church because A, we don't know how to prevent them. Kids are not taught yeah. and they're, they're too afraid to talk to their parents about it mm-hmm. and to confess or to say that that's what they're doing because that's the other thing is like the church ma- turns us all into liars. Like we have yeah. to hide things from our parents. We can't we tell lie them to be able to go on, on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you lie for everything, to go to the temple, to do whatever. I mean, I I have my suspicions, but that that a large number of people who get married in the temple aren't actually worthy. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. I really think that a lot of people lie about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. What if, what if you're like planning to get married, right? The invitations are out. Your wedding date is set. The, you know, the temple scheduled, yada, yada. And then you suddenly like screw up and have sex. Are you going to call everything off? Are you going to cancel the temple? No, yeah. they're going to still go through with it. They're yeah. just going to lie. Yeah. And so it's just so, it's so painful and, and sad. And they're going to feel all this shame about it. And now like my perspective has changed so much, maybe to the opposite extreme of like, Yes, have sex before married, ha- ha- before you're married, have all the sex, have all the partners, like <laughs> learn all the things, do all the things that you want to do yeah. so that you aren't left being uneducated, yeah. not knowing what you're doing, having like fear and shame around sex. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of that. Yeah. So I have another friend, this is a different friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> who just got married. She was married before she was even 19. Yeah. And I... Th- I just remember thinking, like, I was at their wedding reception, like, 
they're gonna go home and have the most cringy white person mormon sex of all time um missionary missionary sex sex. um yeah yeah and i was just like that's like i don't her mom's probably never talked to her about that like her mom didn't even want her kissing boys until she graduated high school she didn't want her dating until she graduated high school and And then as soon as she graduated it's like okay find a husband yeah pretty much because she was married less than a year after graduation Mm -hmm. and we have multiple because i served at the young women's we had like a whole crap ton of our young women who got married within a year of graduating high school i had a few one in particular that i remember really well that was like three weeks after graduation and the only reason they waited that long is because she wasn't 18 yet and her parents made her wait till she was 18. Yeah. So she turned 18 in June, got married like the next day. I think it was in August that she... No, that was that's somebody else. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that happened too. I'm thinking of somebody else. Oh gosh. Else. But yeah, like I, I had a bunch of my young women get married super, super mm-hmm. young. Like, and I think part of it is just like, well, you can't you can't have sex till you're married so you should just hurry up and get married if you love somebody let's hurry up and get married rather yeah. than like experiencing life and finding out if you're really compatible yeah if you can really I think living put up with each other is important yeah because <laughs> how has that like, experience been for you because oh i mean i love it i've had so much fun yeah i think it's great so but, well let's tell the listeners oh, like what i just moved in with my boyfriend three months ago yeah it's both of us like we both moved out of our parents house Um, you're 19 both of you we're both 19 you know and so it's definitely all of it's new 100% like but it's been really like I think I'm kind of surprised by how well it's gone I was kind of worried about like things you know like getting on each other's nerves all the time or Mm -hmm. like getting bugged by each other but like it's been fine I never get annoyed with him okay I shouldn't say never I don't usually get annoyed by him very easily like it's very hard for him to get on my nerves and I don't know. I feel like that would be something that if I was not with the right person, I would find out really quickly by moving in. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas if we were, we got married before we were moved in. Yeah. And I, it was not the right person. Yeah. Then suddenly then you suddenly are. Then suddenly I'm like stuck with them. Yeah. I'm married to them. Yeah. And I have to live with them. And it's a whole shit show ending yeah. that, right? Yeah. Or getting out of that. But, I knew people that got annulments, like, right after marriage. Like, really? within, like, three months. And they had gotten married in the temple. Yeah. Yeah, I know of at least two people right off the top of my head that I can think of that did that. Yeah, because I think you just see a completely different side of people mm-hmm. by moving in. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that, like, I don't know. That I feel like we didn't know about each other until we moved in. Yeah. But... I don't know. And we should also say that that was like a year and a half after you started dating, yes. too. It's we, not we've like... We've been together while we've known each other even longer. Oh, yeah. You've known each other since you were like 14. 12. Really? Yeah. 12? Are you yeah. sure? Holy yeah, crap. We met in like 7th or 8th grade. So, yeah. So, I mean, you have known each other a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, and you are actually really lucky. You guys have had yeah. a pretty smooth sailing relationship, you know. Yeah. There's still like... I mean, I'm definitely, like, a people pleaser, which, like, when I get annoyed with him, I end up just, like, doing nice things for him. Like, I'll, like, clean or something. (laughs) Like, I feel like I have to do something to make him happy, Mm. even when I'm mad at him. (laughs) 
Hmm. Which I feel like is another thing that I kind of got from the church. Yeah. Is like, I feel like even when I'm like so, okay, I never get so mad at him. Even when I'm annoyed with him, I'll still like make him dinner or I'll clean or I'll do woman things. <laughs> I really? don't know. I just, I find myself doing that. I'll be like in the middle of doing it. I'll be like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this for him? I should be making him do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I wonder what the psychology is behind yeah. that. Like, is it's, it, is it meant to... Is it like this idea of like maybe if I serve him I'll love him more? Yeah. Or maybe if I'll maybe if I serve him I'll forget that he's annoying me. Love your enemies. Or is it or is it like or is it like a manipulation? Like uh, I'll make him feel guilty because I'm being mm. so nice and then he'll be nice or something. Do you know what like I mean? <laughs> I just think it's it's interesting to at least stop and think about it because yeah. I do think that the church teaches so many unhealthy coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. um, unhealthy relationship uh, tactics, like when it comes to like manipulating or being passive aggressive mm-hmm. or not communicating. Like, and I can only speak from my experience and of course, my experience is in the church, but to me, it feels like so much of that stems from like church teachings. And I yeah. see it so much. I see so much narcissism mm-hmm. in people in the church. I see so much manipulation, so much passive aggressiveness, so much yeah. like shaming and, you know, like mm-hmm. putting pressure on people to be a certain way, to do a certain thing. I mean, from in every aspect of our lives, like, from what we wear to how much we weigh mm-hmm. to, you know, how we how we do our hair and our makeup, like to the kinds of cars we drive, to the houses we buy, to our family setups, like how many kids we have, like uh, the types of jobs that we that we get, mm-hmm. the careers we go into. Like so many Mormons have this prescribed way of being in almost every aspect like it's it's so bad and I I was talking with my cousins last night about this because I went to I have a transgender cousin and he just got married to another transgender man and so it was my first gay wedding and it was amazing trans and gay wedding trans gay wedding yes it was amazing it was fantastic and it made me so happy to be there to support him to to get to know him in the first place um because i i didn't know him hardly at all um before his transition and and seeing a bunch of my cousins there we kind of got to talking about how um so for this trans person they live back east so they do not live in utah um where we live and so it actually it wasn't their wedding it was like a reception that they did here in utah after they got married back east but anyways my cousins that I was talking to, they live in Utah County. And um, my one cousin, she definitely does not fit in in Utah County. She's yeah. definitely <laughs> unique. She, you know, she doesn't have the bleach blonde hair and the mm-hmm. super cute clothes and the, you know, skinny, perfect body and all of this stuff. She's just who she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really hard for her living in Utah County. She yeah. hasn't been living in Utah County her whole life, but but it is so ingrained in the Mormon culture. There's a lot of competitiveness, especially among girls and and young moms, and like you see all the mommy bloggers and the mommy TikTokers. Oh my gosh, it's so obnoxious. Yeah. Like it's this entire culture 
of hideousness. Like, I hate everything about it. There are a few good ones. There are a few cute babies on TikTok. Well, yeah. there's. I'm sure there's a ton of cute babies. Right. There's a few that I like. But none of them are Mormon. The the ones that I like aren't Mormon. Right. So it's fine. Right. Because you see see how the Mormon moms all feel. I I guarantee most of them really have significant insecurities. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I I do think it's really interesting to talk about how that purity culture and just and the patriarchy like affects mm-hmm. how women feel about themselves, how they present themselves mm-hmm. to the world, how they, you know, even come into their own in terms of like figuring out who they are. Yeah. Has that been like a, I don't know, has that been a challenge for you to like, because I know early on you would say things about being in young women and you would say like all they ever do is talk about how to you know cook or how mm-hmm. to like do crafts or iron clothes yeah. and like you were just so sick of like doing all of the stupid Heard girly examples things. examples of like guys getting out getting to go out and play or do go-karts or something yeah go bowling or yep. do fun things for their activities and we get to stay home and Iron shirts. Yeah, stay home and iron shirts. I don't shirts. know if I ever iron shirts for an, act- an activity, but we did a lot of crafts. Uh-huh. We did a lot of, like, baking competitions. Uh-huh. And we did, like, and yeah, they were fun. But also, I felt like it was always the same things. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, how can I be a better wife? How can I be a better mother? Like, for sure. Well, that's, and that's what you say in the Young Women's Theme every single week, that that's yeah. what the whole goal is, right? Yeah. To, uh, what what is the theme? I can't even remember. I can't remember. Let me pull it up. Okay, hold up, hold up. We are daughters of our Heavenly Father who loves us. And actually, I should say, I only know the old theme. They've changed it. Oh, they have? Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Mm-mm. They've changed it. So the old theme was, oh, we are daughters of our Heavenly Father who loves us and oh, we love him. We will stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places as we strive to live the young one values, which are... Faith, divine nature, nature, individual worth, knowledge, knowledge, choice and accountability, accountability, good works, integrity, and virtue. We believe as we come to accept and act upon these values, we will be prepared to make and keep sacred covenants, receive the ordinances of the temple, and enjoy the blessings of exaltation. Right? Yeah, that's what I remember. I couldn't find the... As we learn to accept and act upon these values or whatever... Mm -hmm. We will be prepared to make and keep sacred covenants. Yeah, so it's the ones that's popping up for me is completely different. Yeah, it is. The new one's different. It's, oh, it's it's complete. I thought it was just a few different changes. Well, it's not complete. Well, yeah, no, it is completely different. Do you want to hear it? Sure, go ahead. I'm a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and internal destiny. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I strive to become like him. I seek and act upon personal revelation and minister to others in his holy name. I will stand as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places. As I strive to qualify for exaltation, I cherish the gift of repentance and seek to improve each day. With faith, I will strengthen my home and family, make and keep sacred covenants, and receive the ordinances and blessings of the Holy Temple. Wow. Okay. So I actually think this is definitely improvement, an improvement. So I love that it mentions heavenly parents. I love that it mentions that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and that you're trying to become like him. Mm-hmm. And that... Instead of becoming a better wife or mother. Right, right. And then I like that it says that I seek and act upon personal revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. The stand as a witness of God at all times and all things and all places is still the same. 
And then it says, I strive to qualify for exaltation, which I hate. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like that the part. The qualify. I freaking hate that. I have to qualify. Sounds yes. like in track, you had to qualify for certain mm-hmm. You have to <laughs> be fast enough to qualify for the mm-hmm. race. Yep. I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to say that I seek to improve each day. Yeah. Uh, with faith, I will strengthen my home and family, make and keep sacred covenants, and receive the ordinances and blessings of the Holy Temple. So, I mean, those things are fine. But the qualify for exaltation, if they could at least take that bullshit out, then uh, I would say, yeah. I would say this is a huge improvement over what we used to have, yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, when you repeat that that theme every Sunday, and actually, do they still stand up and all repeat that together? I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why I'm asking <laughs> you. I, I guess I'm just asking out loud but not expecting you to know. But yeah, just the standing up, repeating that mm-hmm. over and over again, having it memorized, it runs through your brain all the time. Yeah. Like as soon as you start saying it, it like all came back. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I told, I couldn't remember how to start it, but then once you started, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing I noticed is the old one says we are daughters, right? Yeah. And that one says I am a beloved daughter. So it's more like personal about, yeah. about you It's in less particular. of like us all sta- saying it like, standing yeah. you know it's more of like i me yeah personally. i, I think that's a cool. good step yeah i actually think that's a really great step i think it's an improvement on the old one but just like having that be super ingrained in you i think that's super culty because it's like yeah. and it's very indoctrinating mm-hmm. to just to like, repeat the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again Kind of feels like when you'd say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning in school yeah that's culty too <laughs> yeah yeah it is <laughs> So, yeah, that, that's definitely an improvement, but I think, and I also, what I'm hearing anyways, because we're not still ch- in the church, but what I'm hearing is that they've, like, way cut back on, like, activities, and are they even doing girls camp anymore? They're not doing I'm steak. I'm pretty sure I got invited to girls camp last year. Really? Yeah. So maybe they're still doing girls camp. I don't think they're doing state conferences anymore. Really? Guess what? I think our ward or our stake is doing trek this year. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> we never did trek. No. Although I really wanted to. I didn't. I totally wanted to do trek and I, I never got to. I actually asked to be one of the leaders for trek and then I got pregnant and I was really sick. So that was with your baby sister. Yeah. I got pregnant with her. I wanted to be one of the leaders, but I was really sick with my pregnancy and I didn't, I couldn't do the, the Trek thing. But now I look at Trek and I'm like, that is the most bass backwards, culty, weird thing. Like why in the hell are, are they doing that? Yeah. It, it seems like it's just like pure torture. Yeah. But anyways. It's for that elevation emotion Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's it's to give you opportunities to feel emotion so that they can say to you that that proves the church is true i know the church is true because i had this funny feeling in my stomach Mm -hmm. i know the church is true because somebody told me a sad story and i cried i mean that's more (laughs) what it's like right yeah like my my experience of feeling the spirit was always always tears always mm-hmm. um it was emotion mm-hmm. and now i recognize that oh i just felt empathy for people i just felt connection to people when they told a story that resonated with me or that i 
I could feel the sadness of it or I could understand their pain or whatever. I think I'm just a really emotional person. But I've also noticed that since I left the church, I hardly ever cry. Really? Yeah. I'm way less emotional. I used to cry at everything. And I don't know if she that was... She cried at Soul Surfer. All oh, right, shut guys? up. My kids will not leave me alone about that. That was a sad movie. Okay, <laughs> that was an I inspiring movie. It, I mean, it was sad, kind of, but I don't think that's why I was crying. I think I was crying because I was inspired. Even worse. But anyways... <laughs> it's worse. I know. Shut up. <laughs> hey, having feelings is okay. I and I have really big feelings. But it <laughs> is interesting because it's almost like I had like programmed myself or trained myself to be even more emotional and now that like I'm just not as emotional I'm just like oh that's such bullshit you know like I can easily I can easily see when somebody's trying to manipulate my feelings Mm -hmm. it's so weird and so now and in the beginning of my faith crisis I started to think that like the spirit had left me and that that's why I wasn't crying anymore but the truth was was that I was thinking with the critical part of my brain. I was starting to think critically about things instead of always going straight to emotion about everything Mm -hmm. and trying to, well, if I can just feel the spirit, then I'll know that this is true or then I'll strengthen my testimony and I'll do the right thing and, and everything will be good. And the bad thing about that is that you end up feeling a lot of fear and foreboding joy. Like when things are good, you're afraid that suddenly they're going to go bad. You're afraid that you don't deserve good things or that Mm -hmm. you're going to get a trial or that you're going to get a punishment for not doing good enough things. But when you're the critical start part of your brain or like your sister would say, use the smart part of your brain. Or is that Mm -hmm. you that says that? The (laughs) other one. Jezebel, use the smart part of your brain. When you start critically thinking, you recognize that not everything has to be like completely emotional. Mm -hmm. Like you can make decisions or you can hear a story with your head and you can critically dissect it and go, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That sounds like bullshit to me. I feel like that was kind of how I was like growing up. I felt like I was looking for a lot of like concrete Signs, because I didn't, I you know, like I said, I didn't really feel the spirit a whole lot. I think you're a lot like your dad. Yeah. In that way, you. I mean, you're definitely like you're still a lot like me in like your people pleasing and things. Mm-hmm. But I think that your critical brain always worked better than mine did, because of whatever parts you have of your dad in you. Like yeah. dad was a critical thinker, and I think you are too. Yeah. And I think that actually saved you from being overly emotional about the church yeah and because i remember i remember hearing a story of somebody being like if god is true you know he he put like like a a lamb's skin out on the in the field while it like overnight and if there's no mildew on the on the coat then you know that means god is true or something like that he like asked god for a sign and i did (laughs) i did that at like eight years old or something like you, super super young what and it didn't you did work what you okay, put so you, something outside yeah like a towel or something i put it outside oh and my god waited to see it because there was mildew on the grass but not mildew on the coat in the story right so i was like okay. if there's mildew on the grass and there's not mildew on the on the towel then like that's a for sure sign like that i know god you don't sure. need mean mildew you mean like not like, mildew um you mean like the like moisture do, just do, drops, do. do yeah just do not mildew do gross mildew's gross anyway <laughs> do yeah do 
um, if there was if there wasn't dew on the towel, but it was on the grass so around it. So this was your test to that see was if my God test. was real. And obviously it didn't work. And I so was you like, went out there. The towel was wet. And I was like, huh, interesting. Maybe I need to try something else. And I remember like trying really? all kinds of like little things. Like if God's true, then this will happen. Really? <laughs> and never told me these stories. This is awesome. <laughs> and I just like none of them happened. Obviously, so yeah. I felt like that was always like I never got a concrete like for sure thing that God was true. So it's a lot easier. I feel like it was a lot easier for me to be like, oh, I think. That's yeah. why it made it a little bit easier for me to leave the church versus you because I never really had yeah. that strong of a testimony. It wasn't like totally heartbreaking for you to realize mm-hmm. that all of it was a lie. Yeah. Like I still... Because you're like, I didn't know it was true to begin with. Yeah. Like I still... I still was never like, oh, it's definitely not true. Right. But I was definitely... It never gave me a for sure sign. And I, I stopped doing that after a while. Yeah. But there were a lot of times where I was like... I, I would like pray to find something and I was like, if I find it, then I know God's true. Mm, or like yeah things like oh that. yeah i had experiences where i lost things and found them after praying yeah and then i was like oh god is aware of me god re- knows that i'm I here and that. he's showing me that i'm you know that he knows me and I've stuff that too i i had those answers all the time i also so like one example of me like testing god or whatever was um like moroni's promise in the book of mormon like mm-hmm. after reading the book of mormon I did the, you know, Moroni's promise thing where you pray to see if uh, if you have a burning in the bosom and you know that it's true or whatever. And I didn't get that feeling. And then you know what I told myself? Well, duh, God knows that I already know it's true, so he's not going to show me a sign. Yeah. Like, God's just saying, like, why are you testing me when you already know? Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, I already know. Oh, yeah, okay, I already know. Like, God doesn't have to give me a sign. Yeah. So stupid. Like... I feel like I just, like, brainwashed myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I was as good at brainwashing myself as anyone else was mm-hmm. at brainwashing me, right? Like, yeah. it just, I think, and your sister Jezebel kind of said the same thing, like, that she had some of those similar experiences where she just, like, would try so hard and then just be like, well, you already know this, you know? Yeah. You already know. what What is there for God to do to, like, prove it? He doesn't have to prove it. You already know kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And that's just so. It's crazy. It's bad. It's bad. But so one of the last experiences I had, this is like after my faith crisis had started, I was already struggling, but I was still really, really trying Mm -hmm. to like make everything work. I wanted so much for the church to be true. And my um, bishop, he comes up to me the week before general conference and he says, hey, I have some extra tickets to general conference and do you want them? I can give you three tickets, you know, for me and you and your sister. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, yes, I want those. This is like, this is my opportunity because I had never been to a live session of general conference. And I genuinely thought a, that the Bishop was inspired Mm -hmm. to give those tickets to me. And that he had had the spirit of discernment to give those to me. And B, I thought, I'm getting these tickets so that I can go to conference and I am going to feel a very strong confirmation that the church is true and that I should stick it out and that I should stay here and that everything's going to be fine. So when we went to general conference, that was after you started, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. And we went to general conference and guess what I felt? Nothing. Nothing. I, I genuinely was so 
disappointed by general conference because and here's the thing i as long as i can remember as young as far back as i can remember i genuinely loved general conference i know that i'm kind of a weirdo in that dad always hated it he never liked it i know most people i talk to say they always hated it i genuinely loved it like i was not faking it like some people do fake it and say that they loved it I really loved it. I always felt the spirit. I always felt like they were speaking to me. I always felt like they were inspired. I always felt like God had opened and softened my heart and so that I could hear this message and that I could change and be better and do better and all these things. Well, when we actually attended conference, it felt completely empty. Yeah. I felt nothing. And especially when the prophet got up and spoke, and this was after your dad had left the church, and so I was still struggling because now it was my job to save the whole family, mm-hmm. right? Do you remember the day that we left church because I could not stop crying? I do. And we drove around in the car and I was telling you how it how it was now my job to save everybody, mm-hmm. right? I do remember that. Do you remember that? That was so traumatic for me. Like that was probably one of the worst days at church, but that's how I felt at church pretty regularly. Yeah. Pretty regularly. But... There was just this one thing that happened in sacrament meeting. These people were sitting by us. They have this perfect family. They're all in matching clothes. Dumb <laughs> assholes. Um, they're all in matching. I don't ma- know who this is now. Yeah. They all used to wear matching clothes every Sunday. So <laughs> we're sitting next to them. I'm kind of watching them. They look like the perfect Mormon family. Their kids are all young. They're all still active and whatever. And I'm thinking, I'm fucked. My whole family they're all we're I've I, I'm losing this battle like mm-hmm. I knew that you weren't fully invested in the church yeah. I knew it I remember you saying like I feel like I'm losing my family like yeah because you felt like you were losing both I totally did I totally did and I felt all the responsibility to save everyone mm-hmm. so I was in that space too when we went to that general conference and President Nelson I want to say I should have double checked this before but I wasn't planning on sharing this story I want to say it was in the spring of 2019, but I don't know that for 100% sure. But President Nelson's talk basically said, like, time is running out. You need to get your shit together. (laughs) Of course, he didn't say get your shit together. But he did say, like, you need to get your get to get it together and get back to church. Time is running out. And that is literally the only thing that I remember from that whole meeting. Like, those are the only words I remember hearing. And I only remember feeling worse after going. And then after that point, I decided to read the whole Book of Mormon because I wasn't giving up. I mean, that was a super devastating experience. But yet I was like, nope, I'm still not giving up. I'm going to read the whole Book of Mormon again. So I committed to read the entire Book of Mormon. And I read it in like three months and I could not believe as I read it, I felt nothing. And I just kept thinking, why don't I feel anything? Why, why has the spirit totally left me? Why is God completely abandoning me? I'm trying so hard. And all I could see and feel and hear in those words of the Book of Mormon was negative, was sadness, was like a terrible horrible god who doesn't actually care about his children like Mm -hmm. it just felt so dark and empty and like 
There was nothing good in the Book of Mormon. I literally got nothing out of it and I finished it and I didn't even do the prayer. I At that point, I was like, I don't even want to pray about it because I think I already know, yeah. which is exactly what I did before when I thought I already knew it was true so I wasn't going to pray about it or mm-hmm. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to expect a sign because I already knew it was true and now this mm-hmm. time I was like I'm not even going to pray I know it's not true it's bullshit mm-hmm. it's all bullshit and that so. was before I even knew anything about Joseph Smith like actually being a fraud like yeah. but it just felt like so not okay yeah so I think I think for for us women being taught that like we're supposed to be nurturers we're supposed to be whatever like just the mom thing like that's your whole job in life is to be a mom uh you're just there to be a support and a help meet for your husband like that's all we were ever taught Mm -hmm. and if that isn't in your nature then you end up feeling like you're something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. like and that's another thing that like i'm glad we left the church before I had to, like, decide what I was going to do after high school. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt a lot of freedom of, like, I can do whatever. You mm-hmm. know, I don't have to feel like I have to serve a mission. I oh, don't yeah. have to get married. I don't have to, like, there was just no pressure of, like, I can choose whatever I want to do. And if I don't like it, mm-hmm. I'll just change it. Like, I remember mm-hmm. you telling me that, like, mm-hmm. you pick what you want to do. And if you don't like it, you can change your mind. Just try just, something. Just if you're not sure, something. just try something. You know, and yeah. I think... Yeah, I, th- like I feel the like the pressure of like making the right decision mm-hmm. because in the church there's always one right way and and everything else is wrong. Yeah, so like, if so I you didn't have to like get it, the right thing. Yeah. So if I didn't like what I did, then I was like, oh well, this is all I this is all I can do. You yeah, because God said like mm-hmm. I got this answer that this was the right thing or whatever, yeah. and so you end up getting like pinned into a corner of like having to do one certain thing. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think that you at least, and I don't know if your feelings have changed now, but. When you were in Young Women's, you were like, I'm not sure if I want to be a mom. Yeah. And. Right now, I definitely don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're still so young. You shouldn't feel like. But like, and so then do you end up going, well, what's wrong with me? Like, do I have to have kids? I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. If I don't want to have kids, my life is going to be miserable. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. What else is there? Well, and you would just you would just do what you're supposed to do because that's the type of person you are. Yeah. You're like, I'll just be miserable and have kids. Yeah. But does it feel pretty liberating to be like, I don't have to have kids if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I can move in with my boyfriend before getting married. Yeah. Which has been great, right? Yeah. Um, We don't ever have to get married. Yeah. You don't ever have to get married. Not that I don't want to. I think it'd be fun. But. Yeah. um, But it's not an expectation. Yeah. I could wait 10 years before getting married, you know? I don't have to get married at any time. I can do it. Right. Because the only reason... To get married young is because you want to have sex. Mm-hmm. If you can't have sex before you get married, then you have to hurry and get married, which is such bullshit. It's so backwards yeah. and like really, it does not help. Yeah. What it ends up doing, and and I used to think that that was the best way to go because then you know that you're really committed to somebody. Bullshit. Yeah. People end up just being really miserable in their relationships. Um, I think that when you've never had any sexual experiences. You might not even know who you're sexually attracted to. You might know what, you might not even know what your sexuality is. And suddenly you get married and you're like, you know, what if, what if you suddenly are like, you're married to a man and then you realize, oh, I think men are disgusting and I'm not sexually attracted to them. You know what I mean? Like, I think that happens more often than we know about or that Mm -hmm. we realize. And so you're not compatible and now you're stuck. Yep. 
forever. All eternity. All eternity. And somehow you think, oh, but in heaven, God will make it right. God will make it so that I really am attracted to my spouse. (laughs) Or God will make him better. Like, God will make me like him. Yeah. I mean, my parents stayed in a loveless, horrible marriage for 30 plus years. Yeah. And they were not happy. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe saying that it's loveless is a, is an exaggeration. Maybe they would correct me and say, no, we loved each other at one point. But to me, what I saw did not look like love. Yeah. Um, it looked like obligation. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, unfortunately, and I, that's... I don't think that... I've seen that happen in relationships outside of the church, too. Yeah, that's true. But Definitely, yes. I feel like it's a different type of obligation. Mm-hmm. I feel because like it's, it's eternal. Of, yeah. <laughs> or, like, it feels heavier. Like, mm-hmm. it's more, right? It's weightier. Because yeah. I feel like outside of the church, it's more of, like, oh, we've got, like, kids that we want to stay together for. Or, yeah. Oh, I don't want to have to move. I don't want to have to go through it. It's too <laughs> much work. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've heard of people Or it's a like financial that. thing. Or it's a financial thing that, yeah. like, they have to stay together because they can't be financially independent yeah um and i don't necessarily i shouldn't say that like all obligation is bad because sometimes having an obligation to somebody that you feel like you should live up to that's not necessarily innately wrong or bad yeah but it's just the problem of like not getting married too young not knowing yourself enough Mm -hmm. not feeling like you have a lot of options Mm -hmm. and 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 then i i almost forgot to bring this up i want to talk about this is in the church we are taught as women that we can't get to heaven without a man. Yeah. Like we literally we're that. basically worthless without a man. Mm-hmm. Like we can't get to God. They, they will call us back to heaven. Yes. They will bring us to heaven. They will call us through the veil. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a man on the other side that knows your new name to call you through, guess what? You don't get to be with God. Yeah. <laughs> But he so, can have lots of wives. Right, he right. Can have lots of so wives. literally our worth is dependent on having a man love us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And that is not said explicitly, but I'm sorry. That is embedded in our doctrine. That our value is connected inextric- inextricably to mm-hmm. a man. Yeah. And I that. Because you have to be married and have kids to be a good wife and mother. Which oh, is yeah. all you are in the church. Yeah, because if you don't have kids, you're not fulfilled. Yeah. Right? You you can't, you're never going to be, reach your fullest potential. Yeah. Mm, it's so just ridiculous. sad. It's just sad and ridiculous and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy. So I think one of the things I'm the most proud of is the fact that I figured it out. <laughs> I got the hell out of there. And then I helped my kids get out. Mm-hmm. And that now you guys have an entire life ahead of you to make whatever choices you want to make without guilt, without shame, without obligation to please me or your dad Mm -hmm. that we are going to love and support you no matter what. And I hope I communicate that well to you that like there is no expectation towards you making any specific choice in order for me to love you, which means that that love is truly unconditional. Unlike God's unconditional love. Correct. Right? Which is, I mean, all the love in the church is conditional. Mm -hmm. Love of God, love of your parents, 
um, you know, worthiness in the church, like those things are so interconnected, mm-hmm. right? And all of it is conditioned upon your behavior, your choices, your spirituality, yep. all of it. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy the way that they expect you, you know, you just have to listen to the prophet. And sometimes I wonder, like, why the prophet says certain things. Mm. Like, and I I get this question all the time, and I don't really know how to answer it. Like, people are like, why can't Mormons drink coffee, but they can have caffeine? Ha! And I'm like, I don't know, because it doesn't yeah. make sense. There's no actual reason. There's no it's reason. Just, it's just, we're supposed to be control. obedient to what they say to do. Yeah, they just want to control us. And that just is so weird to me. Yep. I don't know. Yep. It's just one of the many parts of the bite model, which categorizes the church as a cult. Mm-hmm. Because it's behavior control. Yeah. It's and and everything comes down to obedience in the church. Mm-hmm. Obedience to the prophet. And I just Which kind of brings us back to, you know, women mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. obedient to men. Yep. You have to exactly. listen to them. Can't say no, you know. Yep. I gotta please my man. Yep. One hundred percent. And we give our power away in every single way. Yep. And so for me, like I got a tattoo yesterday, guys. I got my very first tattoo ever. And, and it, it looks so good. It <laughs> does look good. It's a, it's a it's for Pride Month. I wanted to do it during Pride Month. It's rainbows. Let's see. It's hearts in the color of the rainbow. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, what a couple, is it? it's how many hearts? It's seven hearts. Seven hearts. Each, each a different color of the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. All in a line. And it is so meaningful to me because A, like the... the my daughter coming out as gay was a huge catalyst for me leaving the church and deciding to take my power back. And then just getting a tattoo myself was also taking my power back and Mm -hmm. saying, I get to choose what I do with my body. Yeah. And it was just, it was awesome. Makes me so happy that I did it. And that, I mean, that took some bravery here. I am 46 years old and I'm just now, being brave mm-hmm. you've got your nose pierced now yeah and now you've gotten a tattoo yeah uh korahor here has like i don't know how many piercings do you have quite a few one two three four on that side five six Which on your nose seven eight nine so i have nine nine piercings and mm-hmm. two tattoos and or two do you tat- have more i only have two yeah two one of them's pretty big though <laughs> yeah yeah it's really big so but i mean it's just isn't that kind of cool mm-hmm. to just be able to make... I love that people can look at me and be like, oh, she's not Mormon. Yeah, right? It's yeah. kind of an outward expression of an mm-hmm. inner commitment. Yeah. <laughs> that's the saying in the church. Like, that's that's why you wear garments, and that's mm-hmm. why you... You know, it's an outward expression of an inward commitment. Yeah. Well, guess what? My tattoo and my, my nose piercing, that's an outward expression of my in, inner inward commitment. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So... I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I think we've gone long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, maybe this has been too long, but... We'll probably cut out it's quite been a few fun. minutes. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll cut out some. So anyways, thanks for being here. Thanks for your support. And we'll see you next time. Bye.